Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> it is, uh, it is an incredible day of just being reminded of the goodness of God. And as we go through, and today as we talk about Father's Day, I want to invite you, if you would look in your program, there's a little listening guide in there. You can go through and just kind of follow along. Uh, not everything that is in it are things that I will say, but it, it also gives you as well as some of the notes, some of my research, some of the little pointers of things that I will reference at this time. So if you would take that, and if you're listening online, we also have that as a part of our podcast as well. But as we talk about fathers today, I want to encourage you to take your Bible and either flip or look or whatever to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and today we're going to be coming to verses 12 through 17. Verses 12 through 17, and in this section, Paul is addressing uh, two key areas that really many of us kind of struggle with or we have hiccups with, and definitely our culture struggles with. Because in this area, Paul is talking about family, and he's addressing one, actually two areas that we struggle with, which is one is fatherhood. Fatherhood can be tough for many of us, and it's definitely tough for the culture that we walk in. And the second area is a word called love. Everyone say love. Now, we love love, but how many of you have ever been hurt by love? Or you've been confused by it? Or you've walked with somebody that just expressed the concern of, I just want to know what it means to be loved. So we're diving into two very challenging areas today. And as we walk in it, I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to fill you and to take you by the hand and walk you through this. And I want to echo that prayer that we prayed earlier from the book of Ephesians where it says that we would know, right, how high, how wide, how deep, how long is the Father's love for us. This is what God has for us. And we're going to discover this today as we look at it. Here we go. Chapter 8, verse 12 of Romans. Starts off, Paul says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live... By its dictates, you will die. But if, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we also must share his suffering. So very quickly this morning, as we make our way towards the Father's Day lunches that are about to pour out, wherever you're going today. I want to identify three things that Paul is going in. So much could be harvested out of these sections. But first of all, I want to talk about family. Everyone say family. This is the language that Paul is using. He's using the language of family. So we're going to dive in and see what does that mean? What is God trying to tell us about family? And the second thing that Paul walks about is he's talking about how we broke it. So to fix it, God adopted us. Everyone say adopt it. Adopt it. 
And as he adopted us, we became heirs of the Almighty God. But to walk in this freedom that we've now been given, we need the power that comes from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about how we broke it. By we, I include me in that, right? We is always me. But how there's freedom in that. But to walk in freedom, we need the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready? So first of all, this whole passage starts off by saying, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, this is family language, right? This is we are family. And I'm holding back real strong to not sing that song right now, okay? There's, I, I got a song for everything, right? Because we know that we are family. As I got all my brothers, sisters, and me, right? So you, you, you got, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. I've made a promise to some people, okay? But we know it because, see, this is how God describes us. He describes our relationship in terms of family. And as it looks at family, we're identifying two things. First of all, God refers to himself and calls us to refer to God as Father. God is our Father. And we see this throughout the entire Bible, In the Old Testament, we see God referred to as Father, right? He's the Father of Israel. And a lot of his attributes as it relates to that Father nature are wrapped up in what he does, right? He's the Father of creation. He created the world. He's the righteous judge. He's our provider. He's our healer. So many things are wrapped up in it. The righteous judge. But then we come to the New Testament and the name Father, it takes this term. And we, we start to call him this term that is very intimate. It's that word Abba. Abba, Father. And when you look in and you study what that word means, we find that the nearest equivalent for that word in English would be the term daddy. See, daddy is a very intimate term, isn't it? When someone calls somebody daddy, that's a term of intimacy, of closeness. See, God is many things. He's our creator. He's our righteous judge. He's our master. He's our provider. He's a shepherd. He's our peace. But in the New Testament now, Jesus teaches us that God wants us to know him as our daddy, as our father. It's this intimate turn that takes place. And even Jesus, he intentionally taught us that when we refer to God as father, it's not just one way to refer to him, but it is the way. Even when his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. What did Jesus say first? He said, our father. We begin every prayer by looking to God and recognizing you're my father. Translate it, you're my daddy. You're the one who knows me, the one who loves me, the one whom I love. So this is the relationship. But as we look at family, family is just not about having a good relationship to the father. It's also about having a good relationship to what? Our siblings, brothers and sisters. How many of you have a perfect relationship with all your siblings, brothers and sisters? Because that's the tough part, isn't it, right? And that's why God said, if you love me, you will what? You will love others. And oftentimes, love is tested and proven and developed in how we love our brothers and sisters. Think about that. Sometimes when we think about that, that means we have a lot of work to do. But see, God is telling us that this is very important. And our brothers and sisters, they're not just our siblings that are close to us. These are our brothers and sisters all around the world. See, I just represent your Canadian brother this morning. But my brothers and sisters are from all over the world. They're American, they're Mexican, they're African, they're Spanish. They're English, England, and they have a different kind of football over there. But they're still my brothers and sisters. 
These are our brothers and sisters. This is the body of Christ. Some have connected, some have have not connected yet. But this is what God is talking about when he talks about family. And this is so important to God because as a family, God wants all of us to work together. That's why our first team that God gives us is family. It's team. Rocky Balboa talks about it all the time throughout his great movies, okay? It's all about team. And maybe you've heard that acronym of team. Have you heard that acronym for team, right? Together. Everybody accomplishes more. Say that together. Together, everybody accomplishes more. Again, together, everyone accomplishes more. When we work together the way God has called us to, we accomplish so much more than we ever could. And this is true no matter what your family looks like. If it's two parents, if it's single parents, if it's an auntie or an uncle or whoever that is, when we work together, we accomplish so much more. And this is how God made us to work, to work together, together. See, together, it doesn't mean perfect, thank God, because I'm a part of this thing. See, when God talks about being together, he's not talking about being perfect. He's talking about being faithful to show up. In every area of your life. Because as I am faithful as a dad just to show up, God's work is perfected in my life. As you are faithful to show up in your family, however God has called you to show up, his work is perfected in your life because it's faithfulness. And that comes with challenges. And sometimes we walk into situations and our response, and my response is often, God, I don't know what to do. And God says, just show up. Just show up. How many of you have been blessed by somebody just showing up? I've had so many people show up in my life that they've showed up and they said, I don't know what to do, but I'm here. And I'm like, thank God. Because so many times, I just need to know that somebody's with me. Amen? I just need to know that somebody's with me, that someone's got my back, that somebody's there. I may just be the water boy for the team, but I'm there. The team needs water, so I'm going to bring some water. We all fulfill our role, but it is so important that we show up and we be there. See, it's a work in progress, and family, God is trying to illustrate to us and show us that family is your safe place to work out how to be a great team member. So many things that I've learned about how to function in society, I learned in my family, both the good and the bad. You know that you learn a lot from your failures? Okay? Welcome to fatherhood. (laughs) When I became a dad, I didn't know what I was doing. Did I? No. (laughs) I didn't know what I was doing. Maybe you heard my sermon a few weeks ago. Um, the title was like, what are you doing? Stephanie said to me that a lot when I was doing things with my first son, Riley. Okay, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not how you do it. I never changed a diaper before. When my child was born, he had more hair than I did. I mean, how, what do you do with that? See, it's this process of being perfected. But I wanted to hear something this morning. That God didn't put me in a family because I knew what I was doing. God put me in a family. Because he knew what he was doing. Amen? He doesn't put you in a family because you know what you're doing. He puts you in a family because God knows what he's doing. And this is the process that he does. It's in family. It is in family because a healthy family is like this umbrella that it just covers us. And it provides a covering for every area of our life. It provides this covering for us financially, socially, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. This is the power of a family. This is why it is so important to gather together. And even as a body of Christ, we see throughout Scripture that we're not to neglect the gathering together. We need each other because it's this umbrella. When you don't show up, there's a little piece missing. When we pull back from our family duties, there's a little piece of that umbrella that's missing. 
See, the gift of family is so powerful. And this is why the family and the structure of family is so under attack. And one of the biggest tools that the enemy often uses to attack us, especially as it relates to this, is a tool of rejection. It's a tool of rejection. See, one of our biggest problems as a culture, as an individual, as family, is dealing with rejection. And when we experience rejection in a family context, oftentimes there's nothing more hurtful because this was meant to be our safe place. Have you experienced that before? You walk in, this is my safe place where it should be there, but the rejection comes in and it hurts, and it seems to hurt deeper than any other place. See, we know from research that rejection, it even compromises our health, our decision-making, our relationships Rejection of family, it affects how we treat each other. It affects our ability to even accept help, and it undermines our confidence. If you look in the listening guide today, you'll see where you can go and read the research that I read this past week, where it says that the research has shown that even the brain development of infants, as well as their social, their emotional, and their cognitive development, it depends on a loving bond or attachment relationship with a primary caregiver. This research goes on to tell us that parental inconsistency and a lack of love can lead to long-term mental health problems as well as to reduced overall potential and happiness. See, when that covering has been broken, we are very vulnerable. And this manifests it in many ways. And, you know, as I was just kind of thinking about this, it was amazing something that kind of came up from my childhood. You know, I had wonderful mom and dad. I was the last of eight kids. I'm the baby, that may explain some things, okay? Um, but I'll never f- forget, and I want to do this with a lot of grace and tact, and, but I'll never forget that growing up as, as a kid, being the last of eight, sometimes I was accused of being spoiled. Can you believe that? Isn't that cruel to, to say to a little guy? But one of the things that would happen is we, uh, I, I grew up in this little tiny church, and we had this Sunday school that happened on Sunday afternoons, and all these kids from the neighborhood would come in. I think moms and dads and aunts, they were just trying to, I, I, I need a Sunday nap. So they would just send all their kids. So we had all these kids coming in. And being a little kid, I think I was probably first, second, or third grade, something like that, I would show up every week with this song that I wanted to sing, along with the accompanying music for the pianist that would play for it. And when they would say, anybody got a song to sing? They knew that little Dwayne was there ready to sing, okay? So I would get up and I would sing and I practiced all week and I was there singing my heart out. And you know, like when you're that age, you think everybody out there is just like, ah, it's just awesome and great. I thought I was doing such a wonderful job. Just this little kid. And my heart was crushed when I walked off and we were in transition to going and I saw one of my older siblings. They were all siblings. I'm not going to call them out, but I walked up going, man, did you like the song I sang? And my sibling said, all the older kids in the back, they're just laughing at you because you sound stupid. Aww. Right? Now, how many of you have been guilty of saying something like that? I can open these altars right now. <laughs> right? But even, though, even those little small things from way back then, I don't say that to elicit sympathy, but just to prove to a point that we are all very vulnerable, aren't we, by our family? Because, see, my friends told me I was stupid all the time. That's what friends do, right? You do all this stuff and come through. But when a family member says you're not doing well, it has that extra little bite in there. Extra little bite. As we walk through, I think it's important, though, before we go further to recognize as well 
that sometimes the enemy will take correction and misconstrue it to be rejection. Have you ever experienced that? So being corrected, there was times along the way that my mom and dad, they corrected me, but that's not rejection, is it? Correction is not rejection, but we need to be very careful. And before we move forward talking about how God fixes this in our life, it's important to recognize that when we have to move into that role, that we take the words of Paul from Galatians 6, chapter 1, where he says, Dear brothers and sisters, again, family language, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Because I think especially in this context, as we're coming in, as we're trying to help people, rejection is such a powerful tool, and rejection is something that is just overwhelming to so many of us, that when we move into those areas where we're trying to correct somebody because we want them to be healthy, because we're trying to encourage them, we need to take these words to heart that we do it humbly, and we do it gently, and it's not in a hurry. If you're running for a cliff, I'll get in a hurry. But not everything is that dangerous, is it? We need to walk humbly and gently. But at the same time, we need to recognize the power of our words as a family. We have this covering. But rejection is powerful. See, God gave us the gift of fatherhood in himself. And then he placed us in this family so we would have this covering. But unfortunately, as we talk about rejection, the reality is that all of us have been guilty at one point in our life of rejecting the love of God. But because God loves us, here's how God responded. This is a lesson to us. God just didn't stand by and said, you rejected me, fine. But God went out to fix it. And here we find that God fixed it by bringing to us what we need, which was adoption. See, here Paul's talking about how through adoption, God came in to fix this brokenness, to fix this rejection that's going on. See, adoption is a key word throughout the gospel. And a lot of times we think about adoption only being about rescue because adoption, it does have that rescue nature to it, right? When I was dead in my sin, Jesus died for me. Jesus, he rescued me and he adopted me. And the Psalms even wrote, he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, amen. But we also need to look at this word adoption because adoption doesn't just mean rescue. Adoption also means that you have been chosen. See, God, he didn't just rescue you and pulled you out, but God, he also chose you and pulled you out. And we see this when we look at Paul's culture. Back in the Roman world, one commentator says it this way. It says that in in Paul's culture, in the Roman world of the first century AD, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. He was in no wit, not in the smallest degree, inferior in status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection even more fully and reproduce the father's character more worthily. So when Paul was talking about adoption, it wasn't just rescue. It was about this being chosen, being pulled out. And see, as it relates to God, when we look at this idea in the Roman world of adoption, how somebody would reflect the character of their father, Paul's leaning in even more. Because he's saying here that adoption, it doesn't just rescue us, but God chose us. And in this aspect of adoption, God is restoring our identity. See, God is out to bring you back to the original way that he designed you. You have all been made in the image of God. I feel like I say it every week that you are all masterpieces, and I mean it. Calling somebody a masterpiece every week does not diminish it. It elevates because I look out and I go, there's a lot of, you're all masterpieces today. This is who God made us. And this is what God is out to restore. See, when we become the child of God, when we receive it, 
God restores us as his child, and because we are his child, he also restores us as an heir of God. This is what it says in Romans 8.17. Romans 8.17 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. See, as an heir, we now receive the blessings of the Father, God's kingdom. Think about all the blessings and the things that God has. How much does God own? Everything. He made everything. He speaks things into existence. See, God doesn't get worried about stuff because he owns all the stuff and he makes all the stuff. It's not about the stuff. He owns it all. And he's saying that you are heirs. See, an heir is someone that doesn't just inherit everything, but an heir is also someone who is like the father. See, they take on the characteristics of the father because they are now a part of his family and they're walking with the father step by step. Have you ever seen a father and child walking side by side? They start taking on the characteristics of each other. This happens. This happens all the time. See, we follow the footsteps. And this is even true of my family. See, if you are a kid in my family, you don't just focus in on one style of music because when you wake up in the morning, you might hear jazz, you might hear classical, you might hear 80s rock, you might hear all kinds of stuff happening because there's this wide appreciation of music because we love music. When you grow up in my family, you, you come to enjoy or at least tolerate camping and hiking because their dad loves to camp and loves to hike. And if you grow up in my family, you definitely need to be able to distinguish what makes a good cup of coffee. It's just a rite of passage. And how much more with God? God walks us. He leads us. He brings us to the places that we need to go. He teaches us all the things that we need to learn. And God reveals to us what he loves. Do you know what God loves? He loves you. He loves you. He loves every person. Whether they have received him or not, this is God's prize. And as we look at this whole aspect of adoption, We need to realize that one of the greatest things about adoption is that adoption brings freedom. Everyone say freedom. Freedom, right? Everybody wants to be free. This is how we are made free, by becoming adopted children of God most high. See, it says in verse 15 that God has not given us a spirit of slavage and bondage. That comes from the enemy. Satan is out to do that. God has given us now the spirit of adoption. See, previously, we approached God as being slaves, as being indebted, as being having this burden. We were at the mercy of the one to whom we owed. But now what God is saying, he's just saying, I want you to approach me as Abba, your father. I want you to call me daddy. The one who's your helper, the one that's going to be there for you at every step of the way. See, when we walk with the father, we recognize that our debt has been paid through Jesus. It's a lot like hiking. If you've ever gone hiking, there's a big difference in hiking when somebody puts a 50-pound backpack on you versus when they take it off and you're just walking in the woods. There's a big difference. And so many times we try to walk with God our Father and we have all this stuff on our back and he's saying, will you let me take that? Will you let me forgive that? I'm your daddy. I'm your father. Would you walk with me? Would you receive this adoption that I'm offering you? And for many of us, this can be very difficult because freedom is very difficult to walk in, I think especially when we've experienced brokenness. And the more brokenness we experience, the more difficult it can be. And sometimes we've been broken by the people that should have loved us the most. 
We've been hurt by our earthly father. And then we begin to confuse that with our heavenly father. But as we, as we prayed for today, my prayer has been, God, may we experience your love today. May we experience your power today. And God does this by filling us with his spirit. When you look through scripture, you see it time and time and time again, how the Lord comes in and he fills us with his spirit because we are very insecure people. And the more broken we are, often the more insecure we are. Now, we may put up a front, but God sees what we can't see. See, God has not given you a spirit of insecurity. And here's what I've found, and I've, I've, I've shared this before, that one of my biggest Achilles heels is, in, is insecurity. And I think many of us struggle with that, right? But what I've found is that when I am struggling with insecurity, the reason why I'm struggling with it is because I'm looking at myself, not God. Because when I realize who God is, that's when the faith rises up within me. That's when the love of God rises up within me. But when I'm insecure, God speaks, you're looking at yourself and you're an heir of God. You're not an heir of Dwayne. You are an heir of the almighty God. Why should you be insecure? Why should you fear? Why should you doubt? And my prayer on this Father's Day is that we would experience how high how long, how wide, how deep is the Father's love for us? This is what's missing. When we really experience it, and we see throughout Scripture where it's beyond what anyone can explain, so he fills us with the Spirit because you need to experience it. Just like a child comes up and needs to hear those words of, I love you. I love you. I That's the word that the Father is giving us to us today. He wants you to walk in that freedom. So as, as we head into a time of response to this word of God, there's just really just one question. There's one question that I want you to ask yourself. How is your relationship? How is my relationship with God as my Father? And I'd like to invite you just to out of respect for others around you just to focus in. Just close your eyes and just bow your head in this moment. Let's just take a moment here. This is a question to ask yourself. This is a question to ask God. How is my relationship with God as it relates to him being my father? Just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. Are you insecure in your relationship with the Lord? Do you realize that you are an heir of God? Where is it a struggle to behave like his child? Where is it a struggle? Bring that to the Lord. Bring that to the Lord. Galatians says that now we are no longer a slave, but we are God's own child that God has made us his heir. And because we are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Daddy. 
One of the greatest things that I ever heard was when each of my kids would call out, Daddy, Daddy. There's nothing like it. It's not because I was perfect, but because they knew who I was. I was their daddy. Are you calling that out to your heavenly father today? Daddy, I need you. Daddy, I need help. Daddy, I'm confused. Dad, I'm broken. I don't understand. Or sometimes when a child is lost, they call out, where are you, daddy? I can't see you. I, I've heard you're there, but I don't see you. Amen. Can we all stand this morning? Lord, your, your spirit is prompting us to call out to you, Daddy, my Father. And Lord, I know there's a lot of healing that needs to take place here today. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to not leave the way that we enter. Lord, sometimes week after week, we come in and we take the pack off, we put it down, and then when it's time to go, we pick the pack back up and we burden ourselves down again. You're saying, when are you going to just get rid of that? Just going to the Lord, asking forgiveness, receiving him as your father. What a Father's Day that would be. Amen. As we respond today, there's power in prayer. There's power in speaking it out. See, God didn't make us just to have a life just in our head. There's power in speaking it out. I want to encourage you to do something that may be very scary to you. And that's to step out and pray with somebody. We have a prayer team, and I want to encourage them to, to go ahead and, and go to the stations. And maybe I could have a couple of prayer team, uh, team members just to come down along the front. Could I have a couple of team members? Deca Marianne, would, would you guys mind coming over here? And would, would you guys mind coming up here? And just go ahead and stand at the front. We need to step out and pray. We need to speak it out. There's power in prayer. When we pray, God changes us. Maybe God is speaking to you today, and maybe he's prompting you by his spirit to go and pray for somebody. Maybe there's somebody here today that you're like, you know what? God's been speaking to me this whole service to go and pray for them. I want to encourage you to gracefully and lovingly go to them and say, how can I pray for you today? Maybe you need to, with the person that came with you, to come to the table. We offer communion every week. This is for those who are followers of Christ the bread representing Jesus' body that was broken for us and the little grape juice, his blood that was built for us to bring healing, to bring restoration, to remind us that Jesus paid the price for us. Do that. Walk it out and remember it. Say, God, what are you speaking to me today? But let's take a few moments today just to respond and pray. Amen. Father, I thank you for my family. Lord, I pray that there would be just a just wonderful season right now of people stepping out, stepping out. And I, I encourage you, even now, if you feel the Spirit prompting you to step out, just step out. Go pray with somebody. Go to somebody, even now. Let's not let this be a place where we just live in our head, but let the faith be lived out in our hands. Faith without works is dead. We need to work it out. As we respond, Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. I pray for healing today for my brothers and my sisters. May we be reconnected to our Heavenly Father. And everyone said together, amen. Let's let's respond to the word of the Lord today. Step on out. Let's pray together.